Hi, Lana. Oh, hi, Gemma. We are I Think My Fridge Is Haunted. A very creepy podcast for very creepy people. Coming to you all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Catch up with us for season six as we discuss the mushroom deaths of Lee and Gatha. Yes, it's a thing. The Beast of Bray Road. And the alien abduction of Terry Lovelace, as well as a stack of true crime stories and cold cases. Find us on all major podcasting platforms. Just look for the ghosty in the pink fridge. Until then, be creepy. But But don't don't be a creep. day and I was like why do we say little creeps and freaks what caused us to say that I started that what caused I just you to said say like that? I think that was like one of the first things that I ever said when we were brainstorming our podcast I was like I want to just say hey little creeps and freaks oh I love it I was, like, I was just curious why we said the word little that's all I, I was, know, like, was just <laughs> me <laughs> I was like I want to say hey little creeps and freaks that was my one stipulation <laughs> and then it. that we had to say see you next Tuesday <laughs> that was our that was the top priority for our podcast. As I'm spelling it out with my fingers. <laughs> so, yeah. Just, it's because I felt like it. And I love it. we liked it and it caught on. And it did. Now I'm hooked. I was just curious. I was listening to one of our podcasts and I was like, <laughs> why do we say that? <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the In the Nick of Crime podcast. Um, After our... Word. Really long hiatus. Yeah, I'm not even going to give you all the same bullshit because it's literally the same thing every episode. You know the drill. We're just here when we can be here. Um, life. Uh, we're life is a true crime podcast. I'm not even going to say weekly true crime podcast. No. Nope. We're not even a bi-weekly true crime podcast. We're no. a sprinkle here and there podcast. <laughs> we would like to get back to at least bi-weekly, but every time we try, I'm going to cut like, that out because boom. I don't want to make any promises to anyone. No, I was just saying, we try to be, but every yeah. time life just goes boom yeah. and then hits us in the face. Yeah. Which, by the way, I was going to say, when I had to post my thing about Draco and how mm-hmm. he made me go to the emergency yeah. room that day that we were supposed to record, I did not realize how many of my friends from college, one, liked our podcast page, but also, <laughs> two, actually paid attention to it. That's awesome. <laughs> I had so many college friends that were like, oh my god, is he okay? Like, how are you doing? And then, like, I had one post on the actual picture. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I did not know this many people actually knew I existed in a podcast. <laughs> Thanks, <was> guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love you all. <laughs> Don't be afraid um, to say hi. Yeah, but we're a true crime podcast. We are. Sometimes we do some spooky, spooky, spooky shit, too. I th- I would say it's more like spooky, funny shit. Yeah, I agree. I'm getting irritated because there's people making noise outside, and my brain can't just, you know, <laughs> it goes. It goes over to the noise. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah <laughs> we're not giving you a spiel we make no promises expect nothing out of us that's no. the moral of this story yeah um i don't even remember like we don't have anything else Mm-mm. we don't have anything else no life just is really <laughs> fucking hard right now and it it's is. not just us everybody's struggling so yeah. struggle bus we are with you if you were on a struggle bus our friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep so yeah that's yeah. it yeah so that means that this week is me. It's a Courtney sode. <laughs> so because it's a me sode, you have our weekly fuckery. This I was telling Court that I picked this so long ago that I didn't even know if it was still relevant, but it very much is still. Okay. Um, I just want to make a quick note to you know everyone to pay attention to what's going on in the world. Just that oh, nugget. isn't that the damn truth? Yeah. She pay attention. Don't. I mean, I know I talk all the time about how I don't watch the news and stuff, and I don't, but I still pay attention to what's going on yeah. in the world. Be cognizant. That's my spiel. Anyway, um, so the Natalie Holloway case. We know that one has just been 
and it makes it frustrates me because it's like been a mystery but it's like we've known quotation marks. who did it for so long now um but they actually got a confession oh now. shit yeah so um jordan vandersloot the dutch dude that they suspected he confessed so he as of yesterday um, that's why I was like, oh, it's so relevant. Great, because there was an update. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so he confessed, and just a refresher, she was, she went missing, and she's assumed to be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, in 20, er, oh my gosh, I almost said 2005. 2005. <laughs> it's because we say 20 now <laughs> no. before. In 2005, and she was <laughs> in Aruba. Um, yeah. So she was missing, presumed to be dead and then this guy came on and it's Joran Vandersloot sorry not Jordan who actually gives a fuck about this guy but yeah (laughs) so he's in Peru and he is in the custody of police he confessed killing her but he was being extradited to the U.S. to face trial on extortion and wire fraud charges so not even for that so we got for something else um he's been a suspect Pretty much. Since almost day one. Yeah. He was charged in the United States for seeking a quarter of a million dollars to tell Natalie Holloway's family the location of her remains. So he's trying to extort them and blackmail them. So into telling them where her remains were. So actual piece of shit. Um, For that, it says a plea deal in exchange for a 20-year sentence required him to provide all the information he knew about Holloway's disappearance allow her parents to hear in real time his discussion with law enforcement and take a polygraph test. So this is kind of just starting, you know, it's going to be a process, but I'm hoping he just pleads guilty and they don't have to go through trial and that he takes them to where her remains are. If they are, you know, somewhere that can be found. But it says his his sentence for extortion will run concurrently with prison time he is serving for murder in Peru, where he pleaded guilty in 2012 to killing 21-year-old Stephanie Flores. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she was a business student from a prominent Peruvian family, it says. And she was killed in 2010, five years to the day after Natalie Holloway's disappearance. So... I just don't understand it. I mean, I know, mm-hmm. like, they're not mentally right, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, where where in your brain did you think that murdering not one but two and possibly more women... Oh, yeah. I feel like he's done more. Oh, yeah. Was, like, shit. validated. Right. I'm just... I just... This is the problem I have with what we do is yeah. I don't... I cannot wrap my head around how they think it's validated. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't get it. Right. And he, before he could be arrested for the extortion case, he was in Aruba and he managed to get away and fled to Peru before he could be arrested for that. And so I'm like, where in the timeline of him, because I don't know when he confessed to that other murder. 2012, isn't it? No, 2012 is when... um, Oh, wait. No, you're right. Sorry, sorry. Yes, in 2012. So I'm like, why wasn't he in prison or the extortion case was maybe like right before he got arrested for that i don't know i need to read up on the timeline but i knew that this guy was just kind of like he was a big suspect like main suspect but i'm just like why did it take so long right like what the fuck took so long so yeah that's what i have well for fuckery so we'll see what happens i'll keep tabs on that finally snatched up yeah and i just her family needs closure oh yeah my gosh it's been so long almost 20 years well, it's 20... 2005 is when she went missing. Oh, yeah. It'll be 20 years in 2025. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. Yep. So, yeah. That's what I got for some fuckery. Well, there you have it. What Thanks. do you have for us today, friend? Um, I have a very, very interesting case. Very, very. Very, very. Okay. That was solved in the early 2000s. However, there is a little bit of an update as of 2022. Love it. And... Um, as I was telling you before, I did not realize until after I'd done my research that a couple of very big podcasts had already done this case, and yeah. I was like, dang it, I picked a case that everyone's done, but it does not take away that her voice still needs to be heard. Yeah. So there's that. But it's a, I thought this case was kind of interesting because the girl I'm talking about, her name is Angela 
Marie Samoda, mm-hmm. which she is a precious angel if you've ever seen her pictures. Um, but her case got solved in a really interesting way. And I'm going to get into that. And that's why this really caught my attention was right. the way that it got solved. Yeah. So she was born September of 1964 in Alameda, California. She was studying computer science and electrical engineering, Hell which... yeah, girl. Freaking brains for days, yep. like kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> she was at uh, Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. Nice. Hello, Kelsey. That's my best friend. Lives there. <laughs> um, and she was the sister. She was the sister in the sorority of Zeta Tau. Is that Tau? I think Tau. Yeah, Zeta Tau Alpha. And I don't really know sororities. I was in Beta Beta Sigma, but, like, I we had really easy ones. Yeah. We, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I um, was in, like, the, like, small, like, scholar yeah. academic groups, but I was never in, like, sorority. Shit. Yeah. No. Ours were considered sororities. It was weird. <laughs> I don't know. A sorority is a Christian college can get. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, she was described as a friendly and smart girl she was said that she worked very hard at her academics she was often found studying till early hours in the morning like this girl was on top of it she had so many places to go in life right um she went by the nickname of angie so i do call her angie quite a bit throughout this mm-hmm. um but angie um was also described by many of her best friends and her most best friend was her actual freshman college roommate oh, nice. her name is sheila wasaski mm-hmm and I have a quote from her that I'm going to read because I just thought it really depicted Angie as a person mm-hmm. before this happened to her. Right. So she said, Angie had a beautiful smile, the biggest I've ever seen, the type of smile that would light up her whole entire face. She was very vivacious and friendly and one of the few girls in the computer science and electrical engineering department. She was a triple threat, great personality, really cute, and smart. I know, right? (laughs) The first semester, we didn't get along that well, which I actually have to admit I didn't with my freshman roommate either. Um, She said, and because she had a boyfriend that I didn't care for, but when they broke up, we became really close. We both grew up without a dad, and we bonded over that, not having fathers in our lives. Angie was very academically inclined, and she would study late into the night, but I'm dyslexic and was struggling and just hoping to get through college. We were polar opposites. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Which I love that they built such a beautiful friendship right. off of being polar opposites. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So on the night of October 12th of 1984, Angie went to the state fair with two of her friends, Russell Buchanan and Anita Kadala. Mm-hmm. The state fair in Texas. I don't know if you guys know about this, but Texas goes big on everything. Um, Texas That's is... That's literally their slogan. It's everything's bigger in Texas. It's facts. <laughs> it is absolutely insane. So the state fair was in full swing. 75,000 fans in clashing colors. If you guys don't know this about Texas as well. Burnt orange <laughs> and crimson red. It's called the Red River Showdown. It's between the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. It is a mm. huge game. And if you are one or the other fan, it is a full-on battle. <laughs> um, so it's in full swing at this point, and Angie drove the, her two friends home because she was tired. They were done for the night. Right. Um, she quickly visited her boyfriend, and then she returned to her apartment. Mm-hmm. So when she left the state fair with her friends, they decided that instead, she was before she dropped them off, they were going to go take a little detour. Right. They went to a place called the Rio Room, which is an ultra-elite dance club that's in, like, some popular district oh. in Dallas. Okay. Um, and Russell was quoted as saying, Angie was going table to table, talking to people. She knew everyone. Like, that yeah. just tells you more about this girl and how amazing she was. So about 1 a.m., they decide to leave. Finally, this is when Angie takes them home. Mm-hmm. And then she decides to swing by her boyfriend's house, and his name is Ben McCall. And she just wanted to say good, good night. Like, right. I think that's precious that she's like, I just want to say good night. Thanks, bye. <laughs> um, and then she headed home. Right. So at 1.45, she actually ended up calling her boyfriend in a panic. Okay. He picks up the phone, and she says that there's a man in her apartment, and he asked to use her phone in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's unclear when this guy arrived at her apartment and whether or not, like, she agreed to let him in or if he forced himself in or, like, right, how right. this whole thing went down. Nobody really knows because the phone call was all they had to go off of. Right. She did not stay on the phone with Ben. Mm-hmm. Instead, she abruptly hung up saying that she would call him back, but she never did. Oh, my gosh. Which I have to give Ben some major credit because this man was like, mm, mm, something's not right. Yeah. Like, he jumped on that instead of being, like, the boyfriend that's like, okay, she's going to call me back. Like, And this was, like, right after she got home that this guy? Yeah. So, it was so, like one, so she got home at morning. one. It was about 1.45 is when she called yeah. him. So. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. So, obviously, Ben gets worried. He calls her. She doesn't answer. So, he drives to her apartment. He tries to open the door, but it's locked. Like, mm-hmm. as he's, like, knocking and no one's answering... He, um, at the time, he was actually a construction supervisor, so he had a mobile phone in his car. Remember, this is in the 80s. This is not, like, car mobile phones are just right. becoming a thing. I, did, I don't know if you remember them, but big-ass bricks yeah. that your mom used to have in her car. Yeah. <laughs> my parents never had that. Oh, my mom had it in one car, but it was only because, like, her work gave it to her. And that's, yeah. like, they installed it into a car for work. Like, it wasn't, like, nice. we could afford it. Right. <laughs> I'm from a middle-class, know-nothing family here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, her, her work gave it to her. Yeah. So, that's what we had. Um, so he had that mobile phone in his truck. He picked it up and he called the police right away. Which, yeah. mad props to him. I have to give him credit. When he called, a rookie police officer by the name of Janice Crowworth um, answered the phone. The police arrived on site at 2.17. Now, think about this timeline. She That's called him fast. at one forty-five. Yeah. Hung up. He must have, like, pieced out that second. Yeah. Like, had to have. He knew. Called the police, to which they jumped on it and got wow. to her house by 2.17. I think that's the fastest response I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Good for them. Absolutely amazing. So, like I said, this was less than an hour from when Ben had received that first phone call right. from her. And good on him for trusting his gut. Absolutely. And, like, something is not right. Absolutely. I'm sure the hour didn't help, you know, his feeling. But even then, like, good on him. Right. So, when the officers arrived, Officer Crowther that I talked to said that... You talked to them? Oh, talk... (laughs) I'm tired. I was like, damn, you have connections now? Yeah, girl. (laughs) Look at me. Insider knowledge. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like, this is also a long time ago. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, uh, who I talked about was what I should have said. Said that Angie's Toyota Supira was parked outside of her apartment, Mm -hmm. but there was no movement inside. And she said she had a really eerie feeling that overwhelmed her before they even got into the Mm. apartment. So, uh, like I was saying, this coming from a police officer, to me, says a lot. Because police officers... Whether we like them or we don't, they have very good intuition when yeah. they come up on a crime scene. Right. And the fact that she had an eerie feeling and didn't even know what was inside that house. Right. Says a lot to me. Yeah, for sure. So she decides to go into the apartment because they asked the manager to give them Angie's keys. They got the keys, went in, and she said, I quote, I was shaking in my boots. Oh my gosh. Which is like terrifying. Yeah. You know, a, a police officer that say that. And she's now um, a detective with the Dallas Police Department. Which nice. Was yeah. yeah. She said, I could feel it. I knew something was wrong. It was kind of a surreal night. Mm-hmm. So the officers knocked on the door, didn't hear anything, unlocked it. And Officer Crothfer headed to the kitchen where she found Angie's shoes and they were mm-hmm. still on the floor. Her partner moved towards the bedroom. Okay. So, earlier that morning, October 13th of 1984, Angelina Samata's lifeless body, unfortunately, was found naked and, trigger warning, raped and stabbed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's rough. Um, Angie's boyfriend, Ben, obviously was suspected first, yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, even yeah. though he called, like... Yeah. They've always got to rule out the people closest first. Yep. And they also suspected Russell Buchanan, who she was with earlier that night. Okay. Um, she, the guy that she was with and she danced with at the club and all of that. Yeah. And actually, Russell became the focus of the investigation as soon as they kicked, you know, Ben's alibi to the yeah. curb and were like, okay, he's fine. I mean, it makes sense, you know? Right. And he's there. You've got to be exhaustive about it. Mm-hmm. Navigate all avenues. Exactly. So during the autopsy... 
Uh, authorities actually determined that the man who had raped Angie had a non um, secretor. Non, non secretor. Thank you. So secretor. that was actually fucking Joseph James D'Angelo. He was a non secretor, yes. and it yes. was hard for them to find him because of it. Right. And, and you have to remember rare. this is in the 80s. We don't have DNA yet. The only way to like determine stuff from semen and blood is. If they're a non-secreter or a secreter, like that, mm-hmm. and what type of blood type they are, that's really about all you can get from right. it. Right. Right. Um, but he, um, which I don't know if you guys know what a non-secreter means, but it's meaning that they don't have blood in their secretions, mm-hmm. whereas like most people, humans, have blood in their saliva and right. semen, which I didn't know that. I didn't know that was common. Yeah, it's, like, very trace amounts, but yeah. usually, like, something. Yeah, that's why we can't taste it when we swallow and things right. like that. Like, it's very right. weird how our bodies yeah. work. And it's very rare that yeah. someone is a non-secreter. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is Russell was a non-secreter. Mm. So that's why he was the target. Makes with sense. Them. Makes yeah. sense. Because right. they're like, this is fucking rare. What are right. the odds? You literally have two strikes against you. Yeah. Where's number three? Right. I like how you did hashtag for that. Did I? Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, shit. <laughs> so it was at this point that her roommate and best friend that I talked about earlier, Sheila, actually first became involved in trying to help police solve her best Good. friend's case. Yeah, yeah. Um, she said police asked her questions about Angie and asked her to talk to others about this case mm-hmm. and report back. So we're seeing some really like <laughs> I call it like under the table detective work because it's hey, the eighties. Whatever you gotta do, man. <laughs> but it's the eighties, all right. This is right. the only options that they had. We right. didn't have really as long internet. as you're legitimately figuring it out and not pinning it on someone right. or like placing evidence or planting evidence. What I meant to say, then. Do what you gotta do, man. Right. So <laughs> this is the funny part. Well, it's not funny, but this is what happened. Detectives yeah. actually asked her to ask Russell to go to dinner. Oh. To see if his story matched up. Okay. Did they put a wire on her? I don't know if they put. I'm gonna assume that's they put a wire on her. I mean, because she wouldn't be like a state's witness or a confidential right. informant or something because she's not a criminal. So maybe they were just willing to take her at her word of whatever she reported back to them. Right. Yeah. And she said that his story did match up. Like the same story that he had told police, she was getting from him. Right. It wasn't any different. But she said she kept thinking, I'm sitting, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here having dinner with a murderer, with Angie's murderer. Like, imagine right. your best friend's been murdered. You've been asked to sit down with a guy that's, like, the number one suspect and be right. like, so what'd you do that night? Yeah. What would you do? I'd be fucking panicked. I'd be like, I don't know. Right. I can't talk to you. Right. Like, I can't even look at you in the face I right now. I don't know, though, because, like, <clears throat> if you, if it was your best friend, like, I would want to do anything to figure it out. Fair, but also I think sitting in yes. that situation, like I would start panicking. terrified, yeah. yeah. But I, I have a feeling that... For many people, not everyone, not everyone's the same, but hopefully that feeling of wanting to get to the bottom of it would help override that stress. But Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, shit in a brick. Yeah, I'd be losing my shit. Yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. She said that his story seemed solid, which kind of threw her off. She said Russell had told police that he had traveled to Houston later that weekend to visit his parents and had not heard anything about the murder until days later when he returned to Dallas. Okay. And she... And he told Sheila the same exact thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he was just, like, really good at a story or, like, it was really what's happening. Right. Yeah. So, the investigation actually stalled at this point. They don't have any proof. They don't have any physical evidence that they can tie to him and and Angie's murder. Yep. Um, So, police still suspected Russell, but they never obtained the evidence they needed to charge him with the crime, and he actually ended up leaving the country to go to graduate school. Oh, okay. So, Sheila, best friend, ends up dropping out of SMU. Damn. She never looked back. That's what she said. Did she go on to brighter pastures? Like, was she... Yeah, she really did. I'm I'm actually going to tell you a little bit about her. Um, She's quoted as saying... I could not function. I just kept thinking, these things just don't happen. Mm-hmm. They don't happen in my world. I t- it took my innocence. It took my view of the world. It took everything that I knew. Yeah. And so she ended up leaving 
she tried to pick up the pieces and she moved on. And in 1986, she met her future husband, Charles. Aww. The two got married, moved to Tennessee, where she raised their two children. That's awesome. Two boys. Oh, I love that. Yeah. At this point, Angie's case actually goes unsolved for 20 years. Gosh. 20 years. We just talked about this in our right. in our uh, fuckery. Like, I, it blows my mind right. how long, even in today's well, age, some of these cases right. go. But that's the thing is it's like I feel like... The ones, it's like, I feel like back in like the 60s and 70s, criminals were more stupid because we DNA had nothing wasn't, to snatch exactly, them with. they're like, they're like, they're never going to catch me, but then they would do dumb things and they would get caught, except right. for like Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy and Ed Kemper, all, you know, that shit. But largely a lot of them would get caught because they would do stupid things. And then people like DNA in its infancy started coming around. So people started being more careful, but it was still such menial things that could possibly be traced Mm -hmm. and something big would have had to have been left behind. Right. And then like shit, like genetic genealogy is fucking people's shit up. So, you know, it's like, we're just kind of getting the backlash of like the new dumb that people were doing once DNA first started coming around, but like you know, before all they would have to go off like latent fingerprints, and right? Literally, hope they would find something. Maybe some saliva that right. has a secretion or non-secretion. Right. Like which one exactly? But they can't actually get a genetic makeup, right? Until you know DNA, right? It's just crazy, right? Um, at this point, there was no sign of the case actually ever being opened again, mm-hmm. even with the advances in criminal science. Wow, which I thought was really interesting. And so they, and I'm sorry if you no, go ahead. mentioned this, my brain is in two different places right now. Um, so they only were able to find saliva on scene? Well, and semen. Okay. That's it. That's right. Okay. That's yep. why I was surprised because I was like, they didn't find any semen? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. They sure did. Got it. So 2004, I know I'm talking about Sheila a lot, but there's a reason why I'm talking about her a lot right. and it's going to come into play here in a second. So 2004, Sheila said she was sitting alone in her home. This freaks me out. Just an FYI for anyone who like does or does not believe in, like, any sort of religion or spook spooks, like, just higher ignore. Power. Yeah, higher powers. Like, just ignore this. If, if, you, if you don't believe in it, that's fine. <laughs> I totally get it. Okay. So, Sheila said she was sitting in her, sitting alone in her home, reading passages in the book of Daniel for the Bible study, for her Bible study, which she said is super hard because she's dyslexic. Oh. She keeps talking about that. She's like, yeah. do you know how hard it is to read an entire Bible when you're dyslexic? It's really hard. And I <laughs> and thought it was funny. Especially she's like... Using, like, King James Version or something. Probably. Oh, <laughs> King James Version. So, yeah. She, she was studying for a Bible study when she saw Angie appear in a vision. Mmm, boy. She's quoted as saying, So I was reading, and then I remember looking to the right, and there was Angie. I thought, am I dreaming? Right. Am I asleep? What is this? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know what I would do. I, I know. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, people, like, never be like, did I die? Like did I just pass out? Like, right. what just happened? <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> she said there was no talking. It was Ugh. just her and her giant smile. Aww. Which, like, uh, heartbreak. Seriously. Oh, precious. She said, I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I have a lot of faith, and I believe that there are messages, and at that moment, I thought, it's time. Yeah. Absolutely. It's time. Right. So what is it time for? That's what we're going to get to in a second. She said she leaned over from her nightstand, picked up the phone, and called the Dallas Police Department just like that. Like, literally saw her, leaned over, picked up the phone, called them. Like, even then, even if you don't believe in stuff like that, it could have been, like, to play devil's advocate. I personally believe in stuff like that. I do, too. Courtney does, too. But if you don't, you can even say, like, her brain was just, it was something in her brain that made her see that, but for a purpose. There was a reason. Either way. And it starts a domino effect from here. I'm telling you this. I love that so much. It's so awesome. So she said she picked up the phone, called them, and said, can I talk to the cold cold case division? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. We all know what a cold case division is, right? They said, no, you have to talk to homicide. There is no designated cold case division. I Mother, (laughs) you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're in, what did I say, 2004, and they don't have a cold case division? Are are you shitting me? Well, that's too big of a police department to not have one. I can understand, like, smaller jurisdictions. They're like, we're not the Texas Rangers. <laughs> like a BFE in Montana. All right, fair. Right. But right. Dallas, Texas? Right. You That's kidding absurd. Me? Blew my mind. 
So she said she asked for the detective that she knew, who she mm-hmm. had been in contact with right. all those years ago, and left a message. Now, this is where my blood starts to boil, and here we go. Yeah. I'm about to lose my shit. <clears throat> so she kept calling. Right. And calling. And calling. And she told People's Magazine that she actually called some 750 times over the next several years. Just fucking... Oh, call her back. Oh, I'm not even... Just something. I'm not even done. Oh, my gosh. She was pleading for them to reopen Angie's investigation. And she's quoted as saying... And she's talking about the detective that she knows. Right. He never returned any of my phone calls. This guy knew me well enough... For me to invite him to my wedding. Wow. But never called me back ever. He what never the called her back. Fuck. Not even till this day has Dude, he called her back. Literally, just like give her a call. Say like this is why we can't reopen it or something. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Right? How insensitive. She invited him to her fucking wedding. Seriously. And he can't even pick up a damn phone to be like, hey, sorry, we don't we can't open it. Right. Bye. Because that's I mean, all he had to say. If they don't say. have any cause to reopen it, right. fair, fine. Cool, but at least call Just her back. and say it. Right. That is so insensitive. Right? What a dick. This is why I got mad. You're a dick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> she also said probably the most heartbreaking part of making all those calls was that they said that no one, uh, no other person had called in 20 years. Not a single person. So if Just no her. one's calling all that time, you're not going to sit there and say, you know... Maybe look into it. And I understand that she was her best friend, but it's like she wasn't calling you guys the entire time. Right. It's like out of nowhere. Right. Jeez. She's quoted as saying, think about it. Not one person. How can someone die such a violent death and no one call right. and want to know why and want to know who? And this not still have makes any me cry. shred of information. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. Right. Gosh. So then she said, I think they thought I'd eventually go away. Most normal normal people would drop it and move on with their life, but I didn't. I thought there was something that just didn't feel right, and I just didn't take no for an answer. So I kept calling. I did the research and printed out the reports about all the rapes that had happened during that time period, the locations, and who arrested, who was arrested, and tried to figure out what had happened. We lived in a gated, guarded community, and one day I was complaining to the head security about how I'd been blown off consistently by the police, and he said, you know, you'd make a great private investigator. She said, I didn't hesitate. In 2004, I was in my early 40s, and that night I told my husband I was going to go become a private investigator. Fuck yeah, good for you, girl. Yep, good for you, girl. She got her PI license. Oh, that's so awesome. She was taking cheating, stalking, cyberbullying cases on before she worked her way up to cold cold case murders. That's amazing. Dude, she's a badass. I'll do it for you. (laughs) Right? She was like, yep. Excuse me while I literally throw money in your face. Yeah, that is literally taking matters into your own hands, and I fucking respect the shit out of that. I love it. Go for her. That's Um, amazing. Isn't that amazing? She said, now I have my private investigator license. I thought the police would sit down and work with me. How stupid was I? They couldn't care less. Then you figure it out, girl. Oh, she does. She said, but they were sick and tired of me by this point. That they reopened the case. Good. She pushed and pushed and pushed and finally they did it. And I love finally. that. I love it. Finally. Like literally, DNA between when this happened and now is miles and miles and miles. Because we're in 2004 away. at this point. Right. Almost 2005, I would right. assume. And it still is so vastly different than it was at that time. Right. Just take a fucking chance. What is it going to do? Well, I'm still kind of pissed about it because she said that the f- they gave her to a female detective to deal with because they, they like, just wanted to blow her off. Yeah. And... Like, oh, placate her. Right? But this female detective, badass, yeah. came in and was like, I am not blowing you off. She actually called her in and had Thank her yeah. file a case... And so then she got it started, and then she said she had done her homework and knew that Russell Buchanan was the number one suspect at the time. Right, But the thing that shocked her the most was that she said they had no evidence from the case. What? Right. So I'm going to get into that in a minute. So she said, I knew that they had done a rape kit on Angie, but had 
been told that the evidence had been lost in a flood. So unfortunately, Dallas did have a really big flood go through this time. Yeah. And supposedly, supposedly, I put this in quotation marks, the police department lost a lot of evidence because of it. Right. I digress. So uh-huh. she said, how many years later, they have evidence. She said, are you kidding oh, me? So I was floored. Fucking assholes oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So come to find out they had Angie's fingernails because she fought back. And they had DNA underneath mm. them. They had semen, which, again, DNA. And she said she was so excited because she knew that this was going to be the key. Right. So what had happened, and I didn't really explain it earlier, is that when the detective originally looked in their cold case files, they didn't find evidence. But then she found a box in the back, kind of like shoved behind other boxes. Of course. And thank God that she actually like went in and was actually looking for shit. Right. And she was like, oh shit, here it is. It was like completely misfiled, like hidden behind a bunch of stuff like... Literally, they did not give a fuck. Mind blown. But yes, oh detective gosh. for going in and looking for it. Right. And finding yeah, at it. least she gave a shit. Mm-hmm. Good grief. Yep. So, obviously, like in 1984, like we said, DNA testing was in its infancy. And now, 20, more than 20 years later, like, it's a very powerful forensic tool yeah. at this point. Yeah. So, the process... viable. <laughs> facts. Um, so, the process that they had to go through... However, the police department at the time had to do a request. Mm -hmm. So, in 2008 was when they put everything in, but they didn't get results until 2009. Because you have to also remember, it is still kind of in its infancy at this point. It takes a longer time than it does now. I mean, even today, it can still take a few months, too. Because it depends on, like, where the request is coming from because not everyone has the jurisdiction or the capability, so they may have to send it elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the break in Angie's case technically came in 2006, so before this happened. Yeah. Um, where the police task now retired um, detective, that's the word, <laughs> Linda Crum, mm-hmm. she pulled the DNA evidence from blood, semen, and fingernail samples and traced it to a man named Donald Bess. They have f- fucking fingernail samples too. Yeah, like that's well, actual, I, I said like, that earlier because she they had her oh, fingernail okay. from scratching him. Yep. Jeez. So when the DNA's results came back, oh sorry, they came back in two thousand eight, not two thousand nine. Okay. She called Sheila. Yeah. She said, and I quote, "We got him." Fuck yeah. Now, remember, Sheila doesn't know who Donald Bess is at this time. Right. So she thought it was Russell Buchanan. Oh, So she was like, oh, shit, you got him. Like, yes. And then she goes, when she said Donald Bess, I was thinking, I can't place that guy. Who is that? Right, right. Nobody had heard of this person. Wasn't involved in the case. Wasn't a suspect. Right. Everyone was looking at Buchanan. And that's exactly why DNA is so important. Because if he was not in her circle... In her normal vernacular, then they're not going to come well, across. Well, Russell them. could have been put in prison, yeah, for a crime he never committed, right? Which, right, like this is another reason why I love DNA. Yep. So, Aurority, Aurorities, Aurorities, Scooby Doo, Aurorities, Authorities is what I was trying to say. Said that Donald was actually a convicted rapist who was out on parole when he sexually raped and murdered Angela. In 1984. Why in the fuck didn't they look at records of convicted sex offenders and convicted rapists? That should be protocol every single fucking time. Nailed it. Get your shit together. Nailed it. Ugh. So, by the time police had connected him to Angie's murder, he was actually already serving a life sentence for raping one of, uh, one woman in 1985. This is where this is all coming full circle for me, because I'm like, I'm like only remembering bits and pieces of this. <laughs> Which, if you don't know, that was eight months after Angie was killed. Fucking insane. Um, he was in Harris County. But now, he's standing trial for capital murder. They took him in. Good. Which I'm here for. And Texas doesn't fuck around no, capital they murder, do not. Man. They do not. They have no chill. So before Angie's murder, Donald had kidnapped a woman off of Houston Street, raped her in 1977. Oh my gosh. He was out of prison on parole when he killed Angie. Both, ser- he had, um, 
another woman that he raped and both survivors actually ended up testifying at his capital murder trial which damn hell yeah so he was in prison for the second one that he had not yeah not angie okay donald was 61 at the time he was in poor health and he stood trial for killing angie but he actually suffered a heart attack during the trial causing a three-day delay but it's only three days so it's not that bad could have been worse because we all we all know that they all are assholes about that and they right. go like months yeah um so uh trigger warning real quick because there's a little bit more about angie that i didn't talk mm-hmm. about earlier um he actually stabbed her 18 times holy shit in her chest um he, overkill right he got into her condo by asking to use the bathroom and a phone which you have to remember guys this is 1984 like this is not a time period where we know about stranger danger. This is a time period where it people are way too nice. It was getting a little bit better because this was satanic panic time, man. True, but I feel like a lot of people were too nice at the yeah. time and didn't know the word no. Yeah. And not as bad as the 70s and 60s, but True, yes. but I yes. still think like a lot of people still have that mentality. Right. Um, the Dallas County jury sentenced Best uh, to death in 2010 for killing Damn. her. And he did not have a scheduled execution date. And on, oops, sorry. So he Why was sentenced. Why did you apologize for the car outside? I don't know. <laughs> so he was sentenced in 2010, put on death row, and he did not have an execution date. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, on September 1st of 2022, so last year, yeah. he was admitted to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Medical Facility where he died from a heart attack. Damn, he had another one. Another one. See, and, like, things like that suck. Because it was still justice for Angie's family. It's still very important. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, when they're already serving a life sentence, they're not going to prioritize them. And I, I've i said before, I have qualms about the death penalty. Everyone like, does, I feel I think. like it's playing God, and it's just, you know. But there are instances where I do feel like it's justified. But even then, it's not prioritized. If someone's already serving a life sentence and they already had been, I feel like they never... You know, and it runs slow anyway. Mm-hmm. It, that oh yeah, it does. takes forever right. to get somebody off of death row and actually right. go through with it. And I don't really know the whole semantics behind it and right. why it takes so long. I think a lot of it has to do with taxpayer money and things like that. Yeah, but um, it does take a hot minute. I don't mm-hmm. think I know of anyone except for big time murderers such as like Wayne Gacy mm-hmm. and John you know Wayne Gacy. I always call him Wayne Gacy. <laughs> Because I don't like saying John Wayne because I like John Wayne the actor. But that's why you say his last name too. I know, I just don't like it. Because his middle name is Wayne, so it's no, like just it. call him John Gacy then. Mm, yeah, okay. I can do that. <laughs> um, but all of those ones, like Ted, Ted Bundy and all of them, like yeah. they, they were quick because they're, they're high profile. So yeah. see you later, sucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this whole entire thing, I wanted to end on some positive impacts because I feel like he's a piece of shit and I don't want to end on him. Yeah. And I feel like this whole case was so... I felt like I actually got to talk about Angie as a person. Yeah. And like her, like who she was. And then I also got to have, you know, Sheila's story mm-hmm. and how she helped solve Angie's murder. And was a total badass. Like, I just loved that. So I want to end on some positive impacts. So... First one, Russell Buchanan was actually um, exonerated, which, good, he should have been. Right, Um, yeah. The cloud of murderous guilt had actually hung over him for a really long time, and Sheila um, was very persistent, and her persistence actually helped free him. Russell, so Russell Buchanan went to jail? He didn't go to jail, but he was exonerated, so I... I thought you could only be exonerated if you were in prison. I don't... I thought that, too. Because it should just be cleared. He was cleared. I thought that, too. But when I kept reading the article, it said exonerated. And like I said, he went to school across, like, the pond. Like, he... But her persistence obviously freed him. Um, They actually ended up meeting later so that Sheila could apologize. And they even actually visited Angie's grave together, which I thought was really precious. Yeah, that's so sweet. Good closure for both of them. Right? And I remember, I read a little bit about it, like, her comments in it. And she said, like, for so long she had called him the Beast because, like, that's how she felt about him. Right. And she felt like she really had to apologize because she felt so much anger and hatred towards him for so long. And he was unjustifiably persecuted by her right yeah which i thought that was a lot from her to Mm -hmm. step up and say that like mad props right um sheila she continues to work as a private investigator hell yeah that's so awesome i love it too (laughs) her plans were to stop once angie's case was solved but 
the outpouring response from people was enough to keep her going. Right. Um, and it's obvious that her services are needed. Like, let's be real here. Yep. She's helped many families find closure, and she's just a good That's sleuth. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's like using her natural prowess for good. Yep. That's awesome. And the last one that I really wanted to touch on, because I felt like it was important, was in 2016, the Dallas Police Department re-established a unit specifically dedicated to cold cases. About damn time. Yeah. The fuck took y'all so long. <laughs> Facts. Better late than never, but seriously. Right. Like, get your life together. Right. Wow. But yeah. So that's... that's So some change happens, and that's good. Yes. Very good. And that's why I wanted to end on that, because yeah. I wanted to say, like, change is important. Yeah. Change is necessary. And Absolutely. the fact that they were able to man up and do mm-hmm. it, I'm here for it. And I feel like they probably realized that they weren't really on top of their game. Mm. <laughs> Especially when you have someone call you over 750 times. Right. And a civilian comes in and is like, I'll do it better. And she did. And literally knocked it out of the yep. damn park. Hell yeah, she did. Good so, yeah. you, girl. I'm here for it, and mm-hmm. I love it, and I just, I loved that whole story in case, like, not obviously that she was killed, but I did really enjoy, you know, getting to, to hear some good parts yeah. about her as a person. The theme of, not of what happened, but, you know, the process afterwards. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's that awesome. Good. Goodness, I'm so glad that her family and friends got closure. Me too. It took way too long, because... In my humble opinion, I feel like if they would have gone through the sex offender registry and... Well, and the fact that Sheila just went out and was like, I got all this information. Yeah. And also, if they would have been still trying to just run DNA, they would have gotten a hit in CODIS if they would have just given a shit. I'm not a cop. I don't know. I just work here. <laughs> I'm just over here with sarcastic <laughs> eyeballs at you. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <sighs> but at the end of the day, it worked itself out. Right. So thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, thanks, girl. Of for course. Bringing that one. Of course. It's good. It's good to bring about. Yes. Justice. Yes. Absolutely. And he died of a heart attack, which means he didn't die in a nice way. I know so... he had two heart attacks. Like, woof. <laughs> Hope they sucked. Right? <laughs> That's like the bare minimum. <laughs> right. For like, what I you feel did. Like that was a gentle way out for you. Right? Jeez. But... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, girl. You're welcome. Well, that's what we got for you today, little chickens. <laughs> Maybe little chickens now? <laughs> that's like all Winston. When he licks, I said, no, they can tiny small chicken. <laughs> that's how I roll. I'm weird. I just call my child a devil because that's what he is. Winston has many names. Oh, so does Draco. <laughs> Draco. I've started calling him Draco Malfoy when he's in trouble. Like, oh. Like, you know how your parent uses your middle name? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, if you want to send us any of your case suggestions, please send them via email. It's easier for us. Okay, because we never check social media. And we have some really sweet people who have messaged us on our emails. Like, email us, man. We love it. We may not always check it very quickly. It's not that we get that many emails. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) It's just that we forget. (laughs) Because both of us have crap brains. (laughs) Well, not only that, but, like, Michelle has turned off all her notifications for personal reasons. (laughs) And then I'm just really bad at... yeah. Like, I'll go in and mark it as red just because I don't like the red right. notification. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Okay, we talk about mental health. I'll, yes. you know, I have been having, like, sensory issues and stuff lately. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, a sensory meltdown a couple weeks ago. And it's just because of the notification bubbles on my phone. And I turned all of them off. I still get, like, the notifications for, like, yeah. Instagram and the email. But all of my bubbles are off. And it makes me feel so much better. <laughs> but <laughs> because of that, I forget about things. Um, so, yeah, we will read them. Yes. We will. And we don't get that many. It just may take us a little bit because we forget. But we do appreciate it. Yes. And we will always read it. Yes. Always. Like, and so please we, send us case suggestions. I feel like we've probably had about, like, almost half 
of our oh, cases have been suggestions. Easily, easily. And I've had a good few on Instagram, too. Yeah, that have come and you guys send us really good ones, too. Like, ones that I've never heard about. Yeah. And yeah, so keep them coming. If you email it, it's just easier for us to organize. I have a list that I keep, though. So even if we do get something in Instagram, I check the emails more. Courtney checks the Instagram more. So we're going to split up the roles. Yeah, <laughs> someone's going to get to it. Um, but yeah, send it to us. Our email is in the nick of crime podcast at gmail.com. Our socials are all in our link tree in our show notes. Um, so yeah, reach out, talk to us. We'll, yeah. We're here. Sort, sort of. of. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> we are not trying to set unreasonable expectations. Like, nope. like I said at the beginning, have no expectations. We for us. appreciate you guys. We appreciate you yes. loving us and listening to us and supporting us. Like yes, Mad Hearts. <clears throat> yeah, we Sorry. crossed. I think we're at like twenty two thousand listens Holy now already. Crap. Which I know it's like for some other podcasts that have been at it as long as we have, they have way more than that. Oh yeah, but they've been way more consistent. <laughs> but it just blows my mind that even like that many people. Because even when we've been. I think we still had like 500 listens over last month and we've barely released anything and people yeah. are still listening to our old episodes too. Yeah. So I love Well, and did you say that somebody randomly found us on either, was it Apple or Spotify because they listened to like a big time podcast? Yeah. And like somehow we Shout just out like. Shout to Jay. Woohoo. Yeah. Hi Jay. You sent us another email and I have replied back to you. I'm so sorry. See? Terrible. <laughs> You'll get back Horrible. To I will. Uh, I this comes out. But I love that, and I think yes. that's great because, like, I didn't know that we popped up like that. Like, I know. I thought we were just, like, this tiny little podcast in the corner hanging out, mm-hmm. and then they're like, no, I saw you on, like, major podcast sites, and I was like, whoa. We're shit. on all of the podcast things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just yeah. didn't expect us to pop up when you're listening to, like, a major podcast. Well, if you Google in the nick of crime, we're the first thing that comes up. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> There's, like, a show or something that's, like, out there, but still. It's only, like, a couple results, but... There. And then it. there's like a suggested search of it in the Nick of Crime podcast host. I'm like, don't look us up. <laughs> My <laughs> socials are I all private. S- mine are not. <laughs> mine I will say, private. I've had some people that I don't know who have followed me. Yeah. And I was like, I, I have a feeling it's because of the podcast because all right. of my socials have the podcast information as my, like, information blurb. Like, I don't right. even have anything about myself. It's I have the podcast, podcast tagged in mine, too. But, like, I love you, but I would not accept your follow request. That's very personal. I get it. Just because I post personal stuff, you know? Yeah. And my true crime brain, I'm, brain, I'm like, someone's going to find me and murder me. So... <laughs> Anyway, anyway, why are we on a tangent? Should I don't know. I... Oh, wow. I'm talking to me. Oh, okay. So with that, keep it creepy and stay freaky. <laughs> we'll see you guys next Tuesday. We're not changing our outro, but we probably won't. <laughs> oh, my God. Bye. Big next Tuesday. Big next Tuesday. Big next Tuesday. Okay. Bye. Bye. Jesus. Bye. Say it. Say it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.